0: You're listening to Underestimated, real stories from real women, discussing how they overcame everyday hurdles and rose above. We will not be underestimated. Okay, so I am so excited to have a superstar oh, on my show please. today.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but
0: you are. You are. Uh, Miss Ann Hudson is on Underestimated today. And if you live in Austin, Texas, you might recognize her voice from her on-air shows on 96.7 KISS FM and Case 101. Anne is also an award-winning television personality for national syndicated fashion segments, airing on Time Warner Cable. And she's an on-air host for LiveXLive and many, many, many more acclimates. Uh, I think one thing that I was super excited for you about was your alma mater, 2019 Texas Tech University Outstanding Alumni Award. That which was is really neat. cool. That
1: was like, yeah. I was like, are you guys sure you have the right person? <laughs> <laughs> that was really neat. That was that was quite an honor.
0: Yeah, I, I thought that one was just. I think the most fun is like, I think to be recognized by your alma mater as...
1: It was really neat. And you know, it was one of the guys that was there that night that I didn't know that well. He was, um, or I actually didn't know him at all. I met him that night. I just remember him looking at me and he was so calm and he was like, you know, take this night in. Like, this is a really big deal and you just need to really like relax and enjoy it. And I really appreciate that guy. I still don't, I don't even know his name or who he was, but It was true because I feel like uh, in life, I get so fast and and caught up in the excitement that you forget to like, wow, this is like cool, you know? And he gave me that. I feel like it was the best gift I could have possibly gotten that night because I really listened to him and took that breath and relaxed. And I was the most wonderful night. It was really wonderful. I would encourage everyone to do that.
0: I think that's really hard, especially for the industry you're in, yeah. in media, because it's always the next thing, the next big fish. You got to yeah, keep going. It's true. <laughs> and
1: you you always do. But when something comes your way that you should be you know, proud of, I think I've always been like, I, I can't be proud of myself. Like I haven't done it, but it is okay to be proud of yourself. You know, that was a cool moment for me. And um, I just really appreciate that guy because I think he made me realize it. I didn't really believe it. I didn't think it was real. I didn't think I was deserving of it. And he, like, put me in that moment and put me in that night, and I felt it. And it's the first time I think I ever have, like, really felt something so cool in the moment. Like, I've had really cool moments in my life, but I realize it years and years later. Like, looking back at pictures, I'm like, wow, I did that? That was cool. Man, I didn't appreciate that. Wow, I can't believe I did that. Or, you know, like, I mean, whether it's hosting a big national televised event or, you know, anything like that, I never... I think just recently I'm learning how to really enjoy and absorb those moments.
0: You're already spitting out wisdom.
1: (laughs) Am I? I don't even mean to.
0: (laughs) You are though. I don't know. You know, I had this manager um, in between and another company, not at iHeart that taught me a great lesson and it surrounds that. It's um, keep track of your wins because it's exactly like you just keep going and keep going. And when it comes down to it. Like if you get stuck in a rut and you feel like you're not doing anything great.
1: Yeah. I kind of live in that space, I think. And uh I think it's good and bad because I think it's also what has driven me. Like no, I like I always have to, before I complete the one thing, I'm already on to the next thing. Like, like what? So um it's exhausting though. I think in my older age, I'm starting to learn how to, I think that's part of it too. It might be a little bit of a growing up. Thing happening with me right now um, because I'm getting tired. <laughs> I'm getting tired of because my mind never stops going. How can I be more creative, innovative, um, just all those things, be bigger and better and keep moving forward. And I'm just, I think I'm getting tired. So I'm starting to, to realize, to just really enjoy these things. And I think COVID did a lot of that too. COVID slammed all of us down. You couldn't do stuff. And it did like after I was kicking and screaming and feeling like, Oh my God, I'm not going to survive this. After you realize you can't kick your way out of COVID quarantine stuff happening. I started to look around and enjoy the smaller things. And now I do not ever, I will always be uh, a lot more particular about things I say yes to. I refuse to ever move forward in my life. Like being crazy like I was pre-COVID. I was literally doing a million things, a million miles an hour, all of that kind of stuff. And um, it impacted my health. I like started getting fat, (laughs) my stomach. It was just crazy things happening, you know? So um, yeah, I'm going off too much. Sorry. No,
0: (laughs) I I completely agree. I really appreciate it, COVID. I think it kind of reverted me back to I am naturally an introvert.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Are you? I do not think that. Yeah. Hmm. No one
0: believes that. Uh, I think, you know, having the right people surrounding you kind of pulls you out of it. And then, you know, when you throw yourself into door-to-door book sales, you got to overcome some of the stuff pretty quickly.
1: Which I admire you for doing door-to-door book sales.
0: I I think it was a necessary, um, necessary role for my growth. And I was very naive and very young and had no real concept of how the world worked. So I think it was a great experience for me. I learned a lot from it, but
1: I love that. Yeah.
0: I I find myself now coming out of COVID with a full calendar, and I'm like, I don't want to talk to people.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, that's the one out talking has never gone away for me because I do the radio show and all those things. Um, but actually, I feel, I think that we will. Uh, gradually those things are going to come back easier cuz i was i had to do an appearance the other day for the first time like a, an appearance and i was actually dreading it i was like oh my god it's going to be weird like being around you know people and i don't know how to act or, or like just to interact like it's we're still in that awkward stage where you don't know if you're wearing masks you're not vaccinated not blah, whatever but i loved it like why i sat down and talked to some people and it really felt good to have that human interaction again so mm-hmm. I think we I think deep down we all still crave it. We've just gotten used to the new normal of not having it. So now we think that's our comfortable space. But in fact, I just do think it's important that we interact with other humans. So I think people are going to slowly like realize that again.
0: Yeah. One thing that's weird is my job is we've been in the office
1: since October. Wow.
0: Yeah. So um, it was dreadful. It's all-
1: <laughs> <laughs> i'm still working from home so like i still am like the idea of going back to the studio is like what wait i got everything great here but i i miss working
0: from home so much you do <laughs> i loved every second of it is it just life is so much easier when you don't spend an hour on the road going back and forth and it's true when you can like get up and roll out of bed and don't have to put makeup on and don't have to get dressed i agree
1: I totally agree. You spend more time focusing on what you need to get done, and I do the same. Like, I roll up here. I don't even brush my hair sometimes, and I'm literally in my robe and a hair in a bun right now. To do this to you, this is my uniform at my house. But um, hold on, let um, me take a I, screenshot. Oh God, please don't. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I love it, and I I feel super productive from home too. Teamwork from home. I got yeah. you. Who's your boss? I'll call him. <laughs> Kidding, uh, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, we he lets us work from home sometimes, like if we if we have stuff going on, you know, we're yeah, good. it's yeah, yeah. it's and we're a six person startup, we need to be in the office,
1: yeah, you do, and yeah, let those creative things flow, yeah. But sure. I will,
0: I will one day be back in the work from home situation, yeah, <laughs> I get it. I don't yeah. know how, but I'll figure it out.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: uh, well. <laughs> As you know, this podcast is called Underestimate It, and really the idea came from I wanted children's books for my niece that was about strong little girls, like just I love that going against the norm and overcoming challenges. And it's kind of fun because I was like, this is great. My podcast can be for the moms, and then yeah. I'll make a children's book out of it that could be for their daughters.
1: I think it's great. I love this idea. That's why I was super happy uh, to do that. I mean, anything to inspire our youth in a positive direction is obviously like, we need all that we can get right now. So,
0: Oh yeah. There's, there's so much out there that is influencing them and their little minds. We got to protect it. Uh, So anyways, the first question I always ask anyone on the show is what challenges that have you overcome
1: that you're willing to talk about today? Well, Well, you know me, I'm an open book and I probably have have a million (laughs) challenges, but in the perspective of this being like, uh, you know, with the idea of children in mind, I am a middle child, like 100% I have middle child syndrome. It is a complete real thing. I was always second fiddle to my sister. So my mom and my dad, like they had my sister And my dad wanted a boy no matter what. Like, we're from Kentucky. Like, good old boy. Like, he needs a son. So here comes the second kid. And it's me. I'm a girl, damn it. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so, uh, you know, I didn't. So I pretty, thank God the third kid was a boy. Because I have an older sister and a younger brother. But I literally went through my entire childhood being like second fiddle to my sister who was for sure the, favorite and then my brother was the only boy so then there was me and I you know and I so so everything about me it's like I or I feel like it mainly just annoyed my dad that I was a girl and so everything he was always so much harder on me like things I did it just annoyed him I didn't realize that's what was happening until I grew up you know and like looked back but um, I mean it was just dumb things like I I had to be like competitive. I would try to be better all the time. Like I had to shine brighter than my sister to get attention and get that So why was your
0: sister the favorite? What do you, why do you think she was the favorite?
1: I think just being the first child, the first and having a girl. And I I have three kids of my own now. They're all three boys. So I have all the same, you know, gender boys. So there's none of that like dynamic. Uh, But even in my, and I even was always saying my middle child will never like feel this. But as a parent, of three kids. It accidentally happens. It totally is not on purpose at all. Like I have my oldest son with your first kid, you're learning how to be a parent and you are always learning how to be a parent for the first time with your kid through their entire life. Like every new grade, I'm having to learn something new with my first child. So by the way, I feel sorry for the first child too, because I'm having to trial and error things with him, you know, my, my oldest son. And so I've got, I haven't gotten everything right with him, but I get it right for the second one and even more right for the third one. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm spending a lot of time focusing on that first child. And then my baby is the baby. Not only do you have that like maternal thing that this is your last kid and your baby, you have that. And then just you know we spend i mean don't get me wrong my middle child is amazing but I, he also is one of those kids that like and i don't know if this is because he's the middle child but he is always the first one up he gets himself dressed he's downstairs he's walked the dogs he's packing his lunch he's like I, you never have to even check on him he does everything like straight he never he's has trouble he's just so independent in yeah and i'm i'm i mean i think it's who he is i don't think that like i mean i don't know if it's a middle kid thing or whatever. But I definitely think for me it shaped like who I am and my drive that has continued through my life where I always have to work harder than the next person. I have to, you know, like I just am so hard on myself like that. It's a constant need for like doing better for some sort of approval that I probably lacked in in my childhood. But I'm not mad about it because I am so Everything I have in my career, in my family and in my house, I've worked so hard for it and I'm so proud of it. I'm so proud of it. Like I drive up to my house every day and I'm like, I really built this from like round zero. I've never had any help with anything, you know? Right. So I, I love saw that. that
0: you, I didn't realize this because we worked together at iHeartMedia and you're still there. Yeah. Um, and when I started, you were already on air, uh-huh. um, but I didn't realize you started as a traffic
1: reporter. Oh, yeah, I was the traffic reporter. And I got that job as a baby. I was right out of college, didn't know what I was doing. I am definitely an immature for my age person. And I definitely have been that for my whole life. And so even when I'm old, I mean, it's fine. I mean, I don't know, I still feel very, you know, whatever, I'm being immature, even though I'm older, I'm like, can hang with that, you know. But In my early 20s, fresh out, yes, I got the job to be a traffic reporter. And that was that was interesting because I I loved doing the traffic reporting job because I had a split shift. So I worked morning and afternoon. And then in the middle of the day, I would go on auditions for television. And I landed a lot of different TV shows. I would was hosting multiple different TV shows. So I always loved that role um, because I got to do both things, you know, I was like making the money on the ra- the radio, but then getting to host these TV shows that was like, keep it was keeping me, I don't know, challenged and something just different that I loved. Uh, but then these people that hired me, like never viewed me as anything more than the traffic reporter. It took like multiple bosses being fired and new ones coming in. Like, Why is Ann Hudson in the traffic room when she's getting more web hits than every single jock in the building, you know? And so because you have that hustle. Yeah, I was like, I mean, because I sat there and I was like, gosh, no one's like, I can't how do I get out of this just doing traffic reports? Because I knew I had more to say than there's an accident on I-35 in (laughs) downtown Austin, you know, like every single day. Yeah, it felt very unchallenging. So when our company had this big push, when the Internet started kind of taking off, they started judging personalities by how many web hits you got on your personality blog and i mean it was a big deal whenever that first started happening i'm talking they would send the numbers to every single jock like, pit us and you've got you're sending an email ranking egos number one through ten who's the best who got the best and when when you know radio business we're all like narcissistic egos. oh they you do have that to in sales that. too yeah, <laughs> i <yeah>. hated it <laughs> So, I mean, that's firing everyone up and I had that traffic role position and I knew how to really do those blogs and like promote them. And I mean, I was the annoying person that would do the, uh, the bait and click thing, you know, like that's when that was kind of, um, the thing, you know, you would just be like, Oh my God, did you see what happened to that guy when he fell off the bridge? Boom. You're clicking on it to see what happened. Like just those dumb, yeah. you know, clickbait things. Obviously that's the most terrible thing you can do anymore. Um, but I had a lot of success with that. So, when I started getting the most web hits, it became a pro it started making all the because I'm just the I'm just like the afternoon traffic reporter, and I'm getting way more web hits than all the morning show hosts. And I, they literally had they started being people started being mean to me in the building, um, like the boss other talent? Was, oh, yeah, like like ugly to me in the halls. Um, the guy that was in charge of like the internet stuff pulled me into his office and said, I still even can actually still have the email. He had emailed me and then we ended up having meetings cause I was in tears, but he was like, you are a traffic reporter. Your role is to read 15 second things. You are not to be posting on our internet websites anymore. Um, you know, like it was like, he was trying to shut me down and I went to a very dear friend that's worked in the business for a really long time and I was in tears and I was like, I don't understand this. Like, I'm just trying to do what they are wanting us to do and I'm like winning at it and they're telling me not to do this anymore. And she was like, look, the problem is you're doing too good. When corporate sees the numbers from Austin, they can't explain why the afternoon traffic reporter has more web hits than the morning show they're paying $500,000 to promote. And you're getting like this measly $24,000 salary and you're the number one jock in Austin, like ranking that way. And that was a really weird space for me. That was a really challenging time. I'd say the most challenging time in my entire career. I was like, wow, this is like really an example of, um, you know, people that were jealous trying to shut me down and get me out of there because I was doing too good. And uh, yeah, that email is printed and it's actually in my contract filing cabinet and because I just actually renewed my contract the other day, and every time I renew my contract, I read that, and it gives me like a, oh, my God. You got me so fired up hearing that story. Oh, I wish I I should have thought ahead and brought it up here and read it to you verbatim because it's just unbelievable, and I still can't believe it this day and age when I read it that I was like, You know, treated that way. Like to me, I've always been the person. It's kind of interesting, too. So I was a cheerleader, very competitive cheerleader, um, cheered at Texas Tech. And I'll never forget this new freshman cheerleader came in. Her name was Lori, and she was a badass. Like she had one best cheerleader in the nation. She was such a good cheerleader. And everyone on the cheerleading squad, she's the new person, right? Everyone on the cheerleading squad was talking shit about her behind her back. And it would make me so mad. See, I see someone that's killing it and doing so good, and I wanna be better than them. I wanna do what they're doing. What exercise is she doing to make her toe touches that good? What's happening over there? That's my mentality. That's how I've always lived life. I have very seldom been in a position where I see someone doing well, being successful, and feel jealousy. I feel that drives me. I feel hunger from that. And I, I think remember. That's because you're a middle child. Is that what it is? Is well, it? You had to because like as a middle child, like, that, yeah, maybe you're right. See, this is like little therapy. I don't even know. <laughs> and by the way, I've never been in therapy. I probably should. I would probably learn a lot about myself, but I am such an open book. I've never felt like anything's trapped inside of me. So I've never felt like I need to work things out. If I'm having a problem, I'm like, I, I'm talking about it right in that second. I'm talking
0: know? it to everyone. Everyone knows my problem. Yeah.
1: You can't keep it in. Oh my God. Same. And I think it's good. I think it does keep us out of therapy when you don't hold the stuff in. But the back to this Lori situation, I just um remember our cheerleading coach was like, write something down, you know, to like inspire. And I wrote this like scathing. I was like, I am so disappointed that Lori Lunsford comes in here killing it and is the best cheerleader and so good. And everyone's talking bad about her and putting her down. Like we should strive to be her. You know, like that's the thing. If you ever feel that jealousy ting in your gut, don't, don't energize that with negativity towards that person. Take that in and like better yourself with that instead of like, for some reason, humans naturally sometimes want to tear that person down because it's their own insecurity. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for you to recognize that about yourself or that feeling. If you're ever feeling jealousy, have a moment with it, talk to it, talk to yourself with it and figure out how you can exert that energy to put yourself towards what that person is that you're wanting, that you're feeling jealousy of.
0: I have to say, I feel it like quite a bit in my career. I'm always like, I, there's just so many things and I'm like, I can do that better. Why am I not doing that? I could do that better, and yeah, that's to say, like, there's so many times I have to like take a step back and like that is nothing to do with this person. That has yeah. nothing to do with whatever. Maybe you can't do it better. You don't know. You're not in that position. You're not doing it.
1: I think it's fine to ask that person, talk to that person, right. explore that person. What's wrong with that? Right. And say that. Like, I admire the way you did that. Like, I, I, I admire that. What's That is going to help you get ahead and like move on from those feelings. And it might be something, you know, simple. That's been my tactic anyway. And it helps me not, you know, feel all that. I mean, I have had instances where somebody in this business is doing something that's like freaking I know is so wrong and crazy and they're like elevating. And I don't Mm -hmm. understand that. The You know, I've had situations like that before. And uh, I do feel like it always ends up catching up to that person. But that's been sometimes like the only thing that I don't really know how to deal with that. <laughs> where I'm like, well, you just backstabbed like 55 people. And, and you just, <laughs> you know, like, and now you're you up know. here. What the person is like going to the boss saying, I need that air shift. I'll be the best on that air shift. And then getting that other person fired, getting that air shift and being like, I'm so sorry. You lost the air shift. Uh, I'm so sorry. I feel so bad. Like that's the kind of crap I've seen before. And I'm like, Oh my God, you don't feel bad. You got that person fired because you wanted it. (laughs) Mm, Sometimes I I think,
0: and I say people, but we all do this. We all tell ourselves little lies to get us through some of the bad things we may may have done in our past.
1: Yeah. That seems like that person's scenario. I, I live by the rule that like you don't, I do not do anything in my personal, my private, my secret life, my anything life that I could not tell to someone else. That's just how I live my life. I don't have desire. I mean, I don't know if I'm weird like that or whatever, but I just don't really have desires to do things that I feel like I've got to like hide or be ashamed of, you know?
0: I 100% agree. And it's probably because we're open books.
1: Probably, because I <laughs> because can't if keep anything
0: in. If I was ashamed about something, I would never stop talking about
1: it. You know, that's the truth. That's actually the truth. I could never lie. That's right. That's exactly right. You know, I, I mean, I learned that early because I, I never hooked up that much. Like, I mean, I would like kiss boys or whatever, but I never did like a one night stand or anything like that in college. And I totally regret it. But um, <laughs> I <kidding>. I mean, <laughs> I definitely did not sleep around enough. I was very, but um, <laughs> the reason is because like the one or two times in college that I just like let a guy spend the night. Not that we like did that. We might've like hooked up or whatever. Like You know, other things. things. Other Other things. things. There's lots of things. (laughs) Yeah. But I felt just terrible afterwards. I felt like awful. So it kept me from that because I just don't like that feeling. It felt like it just naturally didn't feel right for me, you know? Yeah. And hooking up has always been more for me about like emotions for me than it has just the act of like whatever.
0: Yeah.
1: Which I think something's wrong with me because apparently I am very much in the minority. (laughs)
0: Um, I think it depends. Uh I grew up in a very religious household. So there's a lot of guilt that goes along with that. Like it
1: Yeah. Me, I don't know where my guilt came from because I mean we did go to church and stuff but it definitely was not religion based. It was internal like my gut didn't feel right about it.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, don't
1: know if it was instilled. I don't know. I don't
0: also know. like if they don't give you the attention or if you know it's not going anywhere later that I think <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> has a can, has something to do with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really. So, growing up as a middle child, I am—I have a very interesting family dynamic because I'm a twin, and I'm—I'm I'm technically my dot, my mom's oldest with my twin brother. Right. But then I have a mixed family from their second marriages, and so I don't even know what you would consider me. But it's
1: Well the oldest child.
0: Well, I have a stepbrother that was old older and he, he was, older. Yeah. When did he when did he come into your life? When I was five or six. I think six.
1: Oh yeah. So
0: But I I acted older, so I was probably I was the perfectionist. Well, and
1: you had a twin. Is it true that, I mean, didn't you guys like link up and wasn't that like your compadre, your partner that like you had that support always with you two? Yeah.
0: Well, and I think that's one, like, uh, when I have kids, I, I, if the science is there to where I could actually have twins and like be fraternal twins, uh, I would, one of my good friends from a high school actually had fraternal twins, a girl and a boy. And I just love following like we we don't stay super connected now, but I love following her photos because it just and she would always say, like, oh, they just remind me of you and your brother.
1: Oh, are you still close with your brother?
0: I am, yeah. Uh you know, it's not it's a different kind of closeness. Um, because he's married and he has kids and um it there was a little bit of a learning curve for me because he was my rock yeah. for everything. You know, yeah. when you think of all the things you go through life and you have one oh, person yeah that goes through all of that at the same time and is feeling exactly the same thing you are. Um, And it was, it was a, there was a a year Mm -hmm. where we weren't really as close. And I think, I think he needed that. Like, and I think like that was what was supposed to happen um, for him and his wife, because that was the thing is like, I had to get out of the picture a little bit so that they could. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which is something that nobody knows that you're supposed to like, If you have twins, anybody out there, if you have twins, like you need to prepare them for like the stage in life when that's not going to be your person anymore.
1: That's interesting. And one thought I thought I've never had.
0: And I, I guess some twins are different, like some twins are probably. But then think about those relationships with their spouses and like what kind of strain that potentially could Pose on. I know. Do you like his spouse? (laughs) Oh, I love her. I love (laughs) her. Okay, good. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we, it was so, we, uh, we didn't always get along.
1: (laughs) Really? Yeah.
0: We, we had a rough start. (laughs) Yeah. But now she's like my favorite person ever. Oh, Uh, that's good. She's, she's so sassy and upfront and honest, and I love it. And, uh, yeah, their kids, I love, they're just the sweetest, and they do, she's such a great mom, and it's just, I, love I, it. I think seeing her as a mom really just like drew me to her more as yeah. well, Like,
1: which yeah. is
0: a weird thing to say, I think.
1: <laughs> no, I think it's, whole, I mean, I think that makes sense. She's probably evolving. Y'all probably went through the not get along stage. You're both cut, probably kind of fighting over your brother a little bit. You know what I mean? For who's <laughs> more important.
0: That's exactly I think what was happening is like, yeah. I would have a conversation that would contradict something with him. Yeah. And I wouldn't tell him how to think would post, Posing questions. Yeah. Um, And it would not be great for him and his relationship. And, anyways. <laughs> yeah,
1: I can see you were influential to him, and your mm-hmm. influence was in the opposite direction of what the girlfriend felt and conflict. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's I learned a
0: lesson. I learned that, like, you know what? It's, that's not my place anymore. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's good. Which, you learned your place, which is right. I mean, that. Yeah.
0: Funny. It was I hard. Can- it was really, really hard. Uh, cause like I said, he was my, and you know, he's still my person, but now like, damn. Now my there's favorite, boundaries. Yeah. Now, there's, now boundaries. there's boundaries and it's, it's something that, uh, yeah. Like that's, I, I thought about this a long time ago when it was happening and I was like, this is something that like no parent realizes that they might need to prepare.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: if they have twins or even siblings that are super close, you know? Yeah. Point. So, um, But, yeah, we all get along. They come and visit all the time. They're probably – them and my stepsister are the only ones that really come and visit a lot here in Austin, and then I go and visit them. So yeah, we try to – my niece loves horses, and I'm just like – she's doing all these things. And I was like, I loved horses when I was your age.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, infiltrating into the kids. (laughs) I love it. They're just the
0: sweetest. Anyways, I was going into a question about – being the middle child, mm-hmm. do you have a specific story or instance where you just comes vividly to mind when you're like
1: Ugh, traumatic? Yes, yeah, I actually do, yeah. Because I'll never forget my dad, and we would all sit around the dinner table, and it was always fun. My dad would just belch at the dinner table, and then like my sister would like ah, everyone would laugh and be like whatever, and then like my sister would belch or burp or whatever, and then I just remember one time I was like. I need to, I know I'm not supposed to burp because we were kind of taught not to burp at the dinner table, but people would, my dad would burp at the thing and then everyone would kind of laugh. And so in my effort to like try to get attention and I want them laughing at me and like, I want to be in this, I like burped at the dinner table and I will, I looked around like laughing like, (laughs) and everyone's just like staring at me like I was the rudest person ever. And my dad just got up and grabbed me and spanked me with like a fraternity paddle Mm -hmm. and sent me to my room without dinner. And it was stuff like that, that like, I just did not understand as a kid. Like my intention was to be funny and get the reaction and the laugh. Like I was imitating what I learned from what I saw. And then when the table was turned, it was like I was in trouble for it. So I didn't understand that like that is one of the more traumatic stories that i just remember so vividly only because i was just trying to get some positive attention in some way from them so i think that that was it and i was just always trying so hard to like you know you want you want to be the fa- i want them to be proud of me too and it just felt like whatever avenue i tried did not work even to being like just so I would try to just be so sweet and know my best behavior at all times, like not do anything wrong or get in trouble. And so that's one of the biggest. And I also think it that experience as a child kind of silenced me for a long time. Like the experience I'm just telling you about, I had a hard time really sticking up for myself or defending myself. I just kind of always knew that everyone else was right. And I didn't really have a voice because... They were right. Whoever's advice or whoever said anything. And that took me a long time to get my voice. Like over time, just like really realizing when things were not right and not being able to speak up about it because they must know better. Everyone else always knew better than me. I felt that way internally. So I always just like took that. And people people used to always be like, Ann is the sweetest person. And I don't know if I was the sweetest person I think I just went with everyone else's flow the most accommodating so I was easy because I just never had the confidence that my decisions or what I thought or what I was doing was correct you know what I'm saying
0: yeah so that brings me to the instance with the the web guy that was like yelling sending you an email and I can picture like I feel like similar things have happened to me in different ways, Mm -hmm. um, in my career. And I, I know like, it's such a defeating thing to experience and I can see how being a middle child and how you're still working on building that confidence to speak up. So I'm curious, what did you do? How did you
1: handle it? How did you push through and not give up? Kind of how I was talking about when I see someone doing great, it, I don't get jealous. It drives me in a direction. This is parallel to that experience. It goes back to that. Um, When he was shutting me down with that, um, I weathered it with a good attitude. I did not throw things and like whatever. I was very hurt. But I was like, you know what? I need to pivot. And I'm going to have to like deal with this that way. And he did not, by the way, last that much longer in the business after that happened. Cause I did go above him. In fact, I like, I, I went to our higher up boss and I like handed him the email and I was like, I, I'm being shut down. And I remember that boss looking at me going, listen, and listen, like our biggest problem we have with jocks and, and talent is that they don't do enough. We can't get a, you're doing too much. And that's a good problem to have. Don't lose that. Don't get discouraged. And I really respected that boss and he recognized me and he was like, I promise just let this like death settle. So I don't know what I kind of learned later, but I don't know if this is fact that that's what happened. The jocks like went in and had like a complete, like ripping me apart episode. You know, it was that situation where I was starting to, Rise from being making them a, look bad. The traffic reporter. I don't think it was they making. It's nothing personal. I did to them, but yeah. I mean, I don't even think it made him look bad. I think it made them like, who is this Ann Hudson person? Like, who is this girl? But I, you know, I was doing television in Austin, and it was weird for me because at all this respect um, in Austin because I'd been on television for a long time there and um, working ACL fest. I was a very visual person in austin i'd already been established as a personality but weird because when i went into the radio station being the traffic reporter is definitely the lowest on the totem pole that's the least respected spot that's the like entry level position and i had been doing it for years like it's no respect there at all as a talent and so that was that was a bit of a i had to weather that that was just like i'm gonna i said lots of prayers i was really upset like a lot Um, but again, I used that upset energy to better myself. I was like exercising more. I was going on more auditions. I was, you know, I, I took that and, and made something of it. I did every single appearance I could do. Um, and I always, always remained positive and had a good attitude. And I think that's really important. If you're ever in probably any business, I know for sure my business, because it takes one person. That you piss off that does not like you because it's all a small town. Like when, like say you're going for a job, people are asking around about you. And if there's one person that is like that is that person has a terrible attitude, you're done. You're not coming back in this business. Like it's, it's just, it's honestly, I've seen that happen a lot of times. It's crazy how fast. And when you are a snarky person or rude person, how one action like that can derail your entire career. You may not know that that's what happened, but it's happening behind closed you doors. Know, closed doors. Yeah. So I think that's in every industry, to... honestly. Like, Yeah. I never viewed, like I never um, resented uh, people in the business. I do resent one old program director that held me back like really hardcore that I only found out later after he had gotten fired. Um And he did get fired for like porking women in the building. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was terrible, but after he got fired, um, you know, he was fired for like these sexual harassing things. And I'll never forget our huge, awesome boss came up to me distraught. She was distraught and she was like, did he ever do anything to you? Oh, and I was like, you know, I, he made Passes, but how, kind of how I've navigated and gone through my life is when men or whatever hitting on me or whatever, I'm the type of person that I'm like, oh yeah, I kind of laugh it off and make it into a like a a joke type situation, and I just kind of don't think another thought of it. A lot of people are like, you have blinders, you don't see when people are hitting on you right in front of you. Fine, I may not see that, but I just laugh it off. I don't ever open that door. It's just not my thing. And I do remember, like, some specific situations with him that, again, I wasn't, like, thinking too seriously about that he's, like, trying to get in my pants or whatever. But I realized way later that that is what was happened. And she was concerned or she was upset over it because I had been up for this really big job um, to do, be a co-host on a morning show, a national morning show and um our company had uh recognized me to fill that role they wanted to offer that job to me from the national level and when they reached the way that works is national people get a hold of you they have to reach down to their market managers so the market manager was like yeah she's great like she's whatever so she pulls in the program director the said program director and asks him like hands up for this job. They're, like, wanting to her to do this morning show. And he was like, oh, no, she has no talent. Like, mm-hmm. the peak of her talent is being a traffic reporter. Like, totally shut it down. And I didn't know any of that happened behind the scenes, FYI. She only told me later, after he got fired for sexual harassment, and realized that because, you know, when one person, when someone gets fired for that and it gets out, yeah. all the stories start coming out, right. you know, like, that way. And um, so... Is he still in the business? Did he? He's not. He got, he got fired. He's fired. He's, and he deserves to be fired. He's not right. a good person. And I also had heard through the grapevine that like once that my career did, uh, do decent, like, uh, you know, had some success that he like was telling people that he hired me and like was trying Ugh. to kind of take credit for, you know, finding me as a talent. And I'm like, not even a chance. That guy can take credit for holding me back for about like eight years. That's what that guy can take credit for. I've, I'm very bitter about that. Um, but I also, I'm bitter and I'm not because I am so pleased with the path that I've had and that I'm on. So I do feel like things happen, you know, for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know why I went off on that tangent.
0: <laughs> because you're in an I'm, open book. That's why.
1: <laughs> no, no, I think that's
0: such an important story. I think... This is why I wanted to interview you because I knew that like you have just worked for... Ev- You're the one of the hardest workers I know, Ugh. and especially in media. And I know when I worked with you, I always tried to be respectful and protective of your time because I saw you do a million things and work twice as hard as what seemed every other on-air talent did.
1: <laughs> I just want things to be really good. I really love this job, and I never want to take it for granted ever. And I don't. And I also like have seen in this business when personalities get some success and it goes to their head. I've watched that happen. It's not about being comfortable. It's about thinking they're better than everyone else. And by the way, we're just radio people. Like we're not better than anyone else. And I think that's important because I've seen that happen. And it feels like the second you see, I can peg it. I have seen it and I'm like, that's the beginning of the end of that person. And it is, it has been that way over and over again. And don't get me wrong. I have moments where I am like, "Uh, I don't want to do that again. Like I don't want to, you know, some of the things you do in the very beginning of the career, whether it's like, you know, packing up a vehicle and driving it to an appearance or something. Like that feels like something, whatever. But I have to like take a step back and be like, you love this job, and it's okay that you're doing this. This is totally fine. And so I do have to have conversations with myself like that sometimes. Um, I had to you know, do that but- recently.
0: I, I have a colleague that is um, taking, you know, we're a six person team taking some yeah. time off, and I will be covering some of his duties. And I'm like, I haven't done that <laughs> yeah. in a decade. And I'm like, Calm down, Crystal. Like, this is yeah, it will take you thirty minutes. It's not a big deal. Like, I had a little self talk, and I'm like, "This is so stupid. Yes. Like, there's nothing wrong with doing this. It doesn't mean anything."
1: <laughs> and you know, you're never, ever, ever gonna feel bad helping someone out, right? It may be a little bit of a situation and an issue in that moment, but you're never gonna feel bad like doing that. So I'm always, I'm also very always open to helping people because. I think that that's great. I mean, I want to help people, you know, and it'll make you feel better. And you know what? You may need this in return at some point.
0: Right. Well, so you, also, think about you know, the other thing is, is like going back to your roots, I think is yeah. always, one, keeps you humble. Like going back to the beginning and doing those types of activities keeps you humble. But then it also, like, there's probably since you haven't done it in decades or how, you know, however long, like maybe something that's in it that you forgot to like, reincorporate in your everyday life. Like it's a lesson you learned a long time ago. Yeah. Maybe it's an opportunity to learn it again.
1: Well, I mean, that that is true. And it's just, I mean, especially with COVID, they've had to let go of everyone. That's been my main like focus. Because uh, yeah. they've, you know, a lot of people have lost their jobs, which meant the very few handful that is still remain have to handle a lot of work, a lot more stuff. So I I'll reground myself that way. I'm like, you know, I'm fortunate to have a job. If I have to go do this and that and this, it's fine. Like, it's fine. At the end of the day, I'm not losing sleep at night because I lost my job and I'm not quite sure
0: how I'm going to, like,
1: yeah. Yeah, so, you know, there's always perspective and I think that you have to talk yourself through those things and never be like, poor me, ever. The second you start having, um, feeling sorry for yourself moments, like, if the, don't get me wrong there are some moments that people deserve to have a feel, sorry for yourself moment have that moment and pick it up get get it up you got to keep going you know you cannot you cannot swim around in that it makes you a bitter angry person you've got to do something whether it's an exercise or you know just anything besides swimming around <sighs> in your bad feelings for too long hey puppy <laughs> Monster dog, coming in. Oh
0: my goodness, my dog. I they so Dan's on vacation for a week and I have the two dogs and they're normally perfect little angels. Um not really. This is that's a joke. But they're no. good dogs. And they are just going crazy cuz he works from home and he's been home with them all day oh. for a year and I'm yeah. heading out and normally I work late Monday through Wednesday. I just I try to pack my week and then that way I can take it easier at the end of the week. Smart but like this week, I'm like, I got to go home at five. I have yeah. to be home at five. I have two crazy dogs. I've come home twice. Like the dog bed shredded. Today, Chloe got into the medicine cabinet. And I was like, oh my gosh, did she eat medicine? But she's acting fine. So.
1: Oh, geez. <laughs> Hopefully it's <was> just Prozac.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, at least it's tile floor down here. We yeah. also got into like, she opened my drawers in the bathroom and got everything out all of the feminine products and just shredded them oh all over my the bathroom. God. I'm just like you girls. Mm. Like
1: <laughs> Mine are still just peeing and pooping everywhere. It's driving me crazy. I uh, don't know what's going on with them. We were building a pool in our backyard for the last six yeah. months. It's just, I mean, over the, it's been open for the past like two and a half months or whatever. But for six months, we couldn't let them out in the backyard. Yeah. So they're not trained so, to like, Yeah we'd have to take them on walks. And so it's like, so weird. It's like, they feel so, they know they're supposed to go outside, but they're also like, it's cool if we go inside too, I guess now. <laughs> You're like, no, it's not. Oh, <laughs> like when, the... we, oh. when we moved it to the
0: house. So Ruthie, the new puppy, we got her in December. Yeah. We had her in the apartment. We had her trained like immediately within the first week. I had a bell that hang on the door and she goes and rings the bell and we like, all right, let's go outside. We'll go for a walk. Well, we got into the house. We stopped doing that because then she realized we could let her out in the backyard and just run around. So she rang the bell 24 seven. So she could just Whoa. go play. Yeah. So then we had to do a whole nother training. So like the first couple of first months, she was just all like, <laughs> oh
1: my God.
0: Yeah. Anyways, um, that's a little off topic.
1: <laughs> no, I love it though. I could talk to you forever.
0: I know. I know. Me too. Uh, well, back on to underestimate it. And I I really could talk to you about because I know you have a million, 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 million stories of just these crazy incidences
1: that you're just crazy. I gave you some juicy ones, though. Yeah, you did. You did. (laughs) (laughs) I gave you some of my more juicier ones. Well, I think it's always like I also don't like rehashing all that because I feel like it's going back to a like, oh, feel sorry for me. This happened. And I don't I don't feel that way. I mean, everything does happen for a reason, you know? I just have to think of it like that. but
0: I agree. Like there's lots of things that I, I think everyone can say that, that they've lived through things that are like, that wasn't right. This person didn't do, do yeah. good by me. And you're like, you know what? I'm over it. I've learned from it, but still that wasn't right. <laughs> I know. I, think, I think also like the reason I want to do this show is because I think that there's everyone going at some point, in their life, going through that, and they can't see out of it, just right, yet.
1: true, I was there too yeah i didn't I couldn't see out of it at one point I remember uh I was actually started interviewing for to be in medical device sales because of the said boss I was telling you about um I was like I can't work with him anymore, like I cannot work with him anymore, so I started interviewing, and it was the craziest it was the craziest thing. I even remember that when I was interviewing with this medical device company they were like why would you want to get out? You are so, you know, because the visual, the perception of me in Austin was like, I am this super success, you know? And, um, but I, so he was like, why do you want to get out? Why, I can't believe you're even interviewing. And I almost think he did not give me the job because didn't want me to leave doing what he felt like I was on the right path. I was just having a moment. And it was crazy because I got the, um sorry, we're going to go in a different direction email. And I'm not even joking, not even exaggerating. 2 hours later we get an email from our huge boss that says effective immediately dash this program director's name and I am, anytime you got effective immediately you know <laughs> what was in the body of <laughs> the email
0: like, I'm opening this out it doesn't matter if you're on lunch you like Oh my god I this have the never time of like email on your phones you're like oh, what gosh. is going oh. on
1: I was like, oh my, I can, even retelling this story in this moment, I can feel my heart and my chest like, oh my God, because I just knew this was a toxic situation, you know, like it was, it was a, a man not making good moral choices within the building. Um, I had already made him mad and he was not a Anne fan because I would not accept his advances. Um, You know, it was just like, one of those crazy things, you know, and he got fired. They brought another program director in and that's the one that was like, uh, Joel, I'm going to give Joel was like the love of that. He was like, what the hell are you doing as a traffic reporter? (laughs) I was like, he would, because he had done research on the talent, you know, because he was getting to know his radio stations. And, um, he was shocked when he got into the building and I was like, had all this press and all this stuff around me. And I was the traffic reporter in a little studio over there. And he was like, you're not being utilized. And, and he gave me a big shift. And within like a month, the ratings like skyrocketed and the rest is history, truthfully. So yeah,
0: that's such a great story. You just, you know, I feel like there's times that that's happened. Give me one second. I get it. It's- <laughs> Literally only when I'm recording a
1: podcast. (laughs) I know. It's the way it is. It's absolutely the way it is. How do you, what do you do with yours whenever you're on the show? They're downstairs. Oh, okay. I'm upstairs in the media room and don't, I mean, trust me, they've, it's happened. (laughs) It has happened. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She just tore my blinds on my back door.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. Do you have a back? You can just let them out in the backyard. Yeah.
0: But then that she barks back there too. And. And then also like Chloe doesn't, she gets along. I'm out of breath for running up the
1: stairs. Oh, I get it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Take a breath. You're fine.
0: Uh, so Chloe doesn't always get along with dogs, but, and so it was, it was testy whenever we got Ruthie, but it worked out, but I don't leave them in the back together if I can't see them because they yeah. play really rough.
1: Oh, hurt each other. So
0: if I, yeah. And if like Ruthie does something that like sn- makes Chloe snaps, Like it'd be bad. Yeah. So they don't play as rough inside. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (sighs) Well, one of the questions that I really like to ask everyone that comes of I think this is one of the most important ones because it informs the children's book that I'm writing. It's what lesson have you learned in your life that you wish you knew when you were a little girl?
1: Lesson. I think just that, it is going to be okay. You know what I mean? Because I think I went through a lot of my life not feeling like it's going to be okay. And it is going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. You know? I, is that a boring answer? It's honestly one of the most authentic. Um, no,
0: it's not at all. I immediately was like, enjoy the ride. Like, that's what came up in my you mind. Know,
1: but the unfortunate part about that is that you have to be stressed through the ride to learn that to enjoy the ride. It's kind of weird. It's unfortunate. Like that's kind of the beauty of growing up, but you can't, I mean, and that's, you know, and I was thinking about this podcast that we were doing and things like that and talking about the struggles I've had or whatever. What could I have told my younger self to feel at ease with all these things? And there's nothing I could have told myself. Like you have, there's just some things that you have to go through And I think if there's one thing when you are going through a hard time, it is important to think there's a lesson here. There's growth here. There's, you know, I mean, I remember getting dumped in college and it was the most heartbreaking breakup ever. And that breakup is what changed my entire life path. And led me to my husband. And you always hear these stories or whatever. But okay. I want to hear this story in one way. So it's too juicy to not tell me the story. Um. Well, this guy was like, you know, in your younger years, you're all into the looks and the physique and the body and like that type of thing. I think probably in my, you know, late teens, early twenties, that's what you're looking for. You need the hot guy, you know? Yes. And this was one of those guys. And turns out he was the biggest player, like absolutely. Like people warned me about this person like, oh, no, but he was so good. He made you feel like you were like
0: the only person, the only one there. Yeah, all of your attention. Like,
1: I, like, of course, all those people are going to say those things. They're just jealous of what we have. And he was I mean, he spoiled me. Like, I mean, I would be parked at Texas Tech commuter parking lot and it's in the a sea of hundreds and hundreds of cars and I would come back to my car and there's like, my favorite candies and flowers in my car seat. Like he wow. did the most unbelievable things that just like, I've never, but it's all fake by the way. Like, it, like, yes, it's cute, but it's just him totally knowing how to play this like game. So anyway, he just randomly dumps me. Yeah. He just randomly dumps me one day. It was the, it was the weirdest thing. He was like, yeah, why don't you go to the mall with your friends today? Blah, blah, blah. and I was like, cool, I will left. And we never spoke again. <laughs> like, like, uh, like, like, it was just the weirdest thing. People saw, I, like the next day, they're like, Oh, I heard you and blah blah broke up. And I was like, what?
0: What? Wait, he didn't what? even tell you he was breaking up. No, right <laughs> no, no. It
1: was, the, it was the weird, it was just the weirdest thing ever. It's like, like what had happened is we had, it was a one, a real rainy day and we were hanging out in his room, watching movies. And my friends came knocking on the door. It was at his house knocking on the door. And they were like, cause it was a relationship. I mean, it was, I was blinded by it because I was in in the middle of it. Um, But I really had kind of shut out my friends and everything. He was my main focus, which is bad, too. Um, Almost like an addiction. Like, it was weird because I'm way better than that. (laughs)
0: Well, I guess it's not code, just it's not dependent on you.
1: (laughs) But my friends had knocked on the door and, like, you are coming with us to the mall You've got to like, you're not spending any time with your friends and all that. And I, um, and he had discouraged me from even answering the door. And I'm like, that's my friends. I'm not going to not answer the door. So I went and answered it. I told them we were going to take a rain day. We're watching movies or whatever. And when I went back upstairs, he was like, you just go with them. Just go with them. Like he was kind of a jerk about it. And I was like, God, okay, I will, if you're going to act like that. And so there was a little bit of that tension when I left, but then friends, told me that he was telling everyone we broke up. That we meant that you
0: broke up. And he didn't yeah. like, if you go with them, we're broken
1: up. Yeah. And we pretty much never spoke again, but it was heartbreaking for me. I did not know what had hit me. Like I had gone through breakups, but we would still kind of talk and all that. You know, it was like an ease You had no meaning, the there weaning.
0: There's no weaning period, period of this. Rela- yeah. It was
1: literally like a death. It was like he just died. We went from being six months of this crazy intense relationship to nothing. Not only nothing, but he wasn't even the same person that he had portrayed to me. Like, it was very weird. And uh, so I ended up having a really good best friend, this girl, best friend, and she was dating this guy and his roommate. I'm not going to say much about him because that guy, he ended up kind of being like famous a little bit. Um, but I he was not someone I would typically have ever dated. Like, not, not the greatest looking guy, but the sweetest, most awesome person. We became the bestest of friends. In fact, I had never connected with someone on a friendship level like that. And one thing led to another and we ended up hooking up and dating and it kind of shifted me into this like Texas music scene. And, um, that didn't work out because obviously we, um, we were just young and both of us doing our own career thing. And yeah, it was no big deal. I mean, it was just, we didn't work, but that led me to this, the Texas music scene where my husband now Fred was a lead singer of a band called Honey Brown. And um, uh, that's how I met him. I met my husband through being, you know, in the music business. And I just think that I never would have been into the Texas music scene had I not met this guy that I never would have dated on my own. Like It was just by chance that we all became good friends because we all hung out because I was with my best girlfriend that was dating his roommate. This is getting confusing.
0: Not doing that good of a job. I, I'm story. gonna go, I'm gonna go back and listen <laughs> and connect the dot. Du- no, uh, toxic it's- guy, his best friend.
1: No, so no. the boy no, so I had a best, best, best girlfriend. And her and I, once I got dumped by that toxic guy, me mm. and her were inseparable. Inseparable. Mm. We just did not, she was like my rock to get me through that. And she was going through a breakup too. She started dating this guy. And we were like a package deal. You're dating Megan. I'm with her. We're like best <laughs> friends. So the guy she started dating had a roommate, oh. and so me and Megan and her boyfriend and that roommate would all just I'll hang out as yeah. friends. And then okay, okay, okay. Me and, and then the you roommate came
0: into Texas country.
1: He was a singer and all that kind of stuff. And so I traveled around with him and got in the Texas music scene, sang with them a little bit. And yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a windy story.
0: It's all going to be okay.
1: But I never would have dated or been in the presence of the guy that got me into the Texas music scene had I not been through that like crazy breakup. And I know that I never would have gone that route.
0: There's there's so many lessons I've learned in dating and my career. But I mean, there's so many that specifically while talking about dating that I've just like, in all of those bad dating lessons, I learned really quickly what I did not want and what I would not put up
1: with. Yeah. So. It took me a long time. I I used to be the type that like did not know how to take a pause and say, maybe this isn't meant to be. If I invested any time into any relationship, I'd be damned if it wasn't going to work. I was mm -hmm. one of those people. Like it's kind of like my, Workaholic, like competitive thing, you know? I'm going to do this and I'm going to be the best I can be at it. Yes. And I'm not going to give up. I am loyal beyond. I'm loyal almost to a complete fault because I believe the best in everyone from the beginning and don't always do things that are like, I don't want to hurt other people. So I'll sacrifice maybe what's good for me to make sure the people that I've, committed yeah. to being friends with. But it's also why I'm harder to get to know. I'm an open book, but I'm I am an open book, so I'm easy to get to know in that way, but it's kind of hard to get super close. I'm kind of hard to get close to, not intentionally, but I mean like someone that I'm going to like go hang out with twice a month or something. It's kind of hard for me to to get there with me. I don't know why. Really.
0: Yeah, no, I get what you mean though. Um You're an open book, but to be that person that you're like, I will make time for this person. Right. That's what you mean. I'm a
1: little more, because if you are one of those people, I am never, you're, I'm, I'm doing anything for you. Right. You know what I mean? And so I'm very cautious about who those people are and it takes some time to build that. But once Mm -hmm. it's built, I am like, you're not getting rid of me. I'm like, uh. You better now not turn out for- to be
0: a serial killer because... You <laughs> uh, me? No, your friends that you're like loyal to as a dog. Because- <laughs> I know. I would, like, be, like, would so be really hard. Where, where, do we, where are we burying this body? <laughs> yeah, it probably. I would be like, what did you do? Yeah. yeah, it would
1: be hard. I am just very loyal to people that, you know, I mean trust me i've like g- given my loyalty to people though and they've burned it and hurt it and me and disappointed and i've moved on from them that has happened but mm-hmm. it's just harder to get there you know i'm not just like everybody you know be i honestly friends. think
0: it's easier to live life through your mindset like through the people are people are good it, 100% like it's so much easier to go throughout life like that than suspecting the worst of everyone because it's easier for me to pick myself up after something
1: no oh, I just don't know
0: never I, live I absolutely
1: so clean slate everyone is holy and amazing and the best to me until they prove me wrong all 100% which my um I've had friends that are like you're that's not a good way to be and I'm like I don't think it's a good way to always think people have negative intentions. So.
0: Yep. Nope. Uh, I completely agree. It comes down to it. And it's like, this is the way I want to live my life. I'm okay. I'm fine. Yeah. We're good. We're good. Mm-hmm. All right. Last question. And then, um, and then I'm going to go drink wine while well, I'm all right, uh, Yeah. Wine, <laughs>
1: I'm jealous of you.
0: I drank all too right. much
1: wine like last week and I still can't drink it this week. I a result. Oh no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what did you do last week?
1: Oh, it was just random. I—I I mean, it was actually the week before I, we had a show at um, Steiner Ranch Steakhouse with Pat Green. It was mm-hmm. like a five-course meal. One of our friends like bought the table and just kept filling up wine glasses, and I did not. It didn't go well the next day. And you had fun. You had I had fun. so much fun. It was the best night. But I—it's one of those that's like lingering.
0: <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> it's
1: time to stop drinking for a while. So I'm trying to just Let's get a cleanse. <laughs> squeeze.com.
0: That's exactly
1: what I thought. (laughs) Yes. Yes.
0: Okay. So the last part is I always like to do a little bit of brainstorming with what I'm going to turn this into, into a children's book. And first of all, I think it's so obvious. Ruthie is going to be the middle child, Mm -hmm. Um, which she doesn't have any siblings in her story yet, but we'll add some. Yeah. Got to have then, more uh,
1: kids for a middle child story.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, I can easily just turn in your burping story into like a food fight story. I think a food fight story would be more colorful. Yeah. Oh, it would. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, dad throws some, some pasta or something and they laugh. Yeah. Like to and be funny, you like,
1: you know, and I think that's a good message for parents. I got to say, I think that's a good because I am not opposed to... A spanking here and there. And truthfully, I someone taught me a trick because I I have not d- really had to spank my kids. They've been out of line. There was one because I'd like whoop, tap them on the tushy and they started laughing at me. And one of my friends was like, you just bust out a wooden spoon and they will never act up again. So once she told me that and he laughed at me, my oldest son, when I like tapped him, he's like laughing because it did not hurt because I can't spank hard. Um, I went downstairs, grabbed a wooden spoon and I just held it up and I was like, one more time. And he was like, <gasps> and never, you don't ever even have to use it. You're just like wooden spoon. So I
0: was anyway. the kid that was fearful of ever being in trouble or being spanked. And I think I probably got spanked twice.
1: <laughs> oh, see that I was that, but my dad just loved to spank. He grew up like that. So he yeah. like, and it wasn't just spank. It was like a wooden fraternity paddle. And that's the thing with parents. Like, and I always told myself, this This was what my whole message was. I think he just went off. If you are going to use a spank, I think it's important that there is a a warning. Like if that happens again, you will get a spanking. And then if they make the choice to do it, then it's like you sit down and you're calm and you're like, you need to come over here and you're going to get that, you know, or whatever. My dad would just, we didn't even know what we did and he'd wear our asses out. And I'm like, you know, so I think if you're going to use that, that you just have to be very careful with it and very direct because that was the worst thing for me growing up as a child is getting spankings and having no idea what I did wrong or why, you know? And then
0: it silenced you because it did. You're, you You're were like, I can't speak up because That's I right. can't direct if I say something that if this is going to get me in trouble or not. Yeah.
1: You spill your milk, spanking. You, you know, I remember one time my brother was outside cussing up a storm, like literally cussing out all these young kids. And I went inside and I was like, dad, he is literally cussing everyone out outside. And he spanked me for tattling. What? (laughs) I was so confused. I was like, what? For being a tattletale. But but again, he hated me because I was the girl and I was telling on his boy. Yeah, there's probably some childhood trauma there.
0: (laughs) Maybe you should. Go talk to someone.
1: No, I'm fine. I just don't talk to him anymore. No,
0: no I, I believe I believe you're fine. I, I think everyone has their own issues and that I think there's always you know, honestly, every person has something that they could work through talking to a therapist. I think yeah. um it just takes time and work and I
1: you know, if I felt like those things were impacting and impairing me from living an authentic, happy life. Now I would explore that, but I don't feel that. Like I don't have, I don't want to go dig up all these old bones because I've probably for sure there's pain from there, from being a child, but I am completely, I took all that and I found this amazing husband. I knew exactly what I wanted for my kids. And I even found my old journals the other day. And I was like, Oh my God, I like started reading through them. And I would always do these like five things I was grateful for and thanking God for whatever. And one of my main journal entries was, please guide me to a man that's going to be the best father that's going to be present, that's going to be patient, that's going to be calm. I prayed for all those things when I was like 19. And it's in my journal. Wow. And I have that. Like I think this trauma that I might have experienced through my, you know, dad being a child led me to create this amazing life and family that I love. Now it'll be interesting what my kids are going to be in therapy about. <laughs> that's now what I shift to. I'm like, what are we doing? Me and my husband will have a joke. I'm like, what are we doing right now that our kids are going to be in therapy for? What What are we doing wrong? You know, there's just like there's no wedding. Like right? <laughs> no, no, because that's the thing. Like I. I am giving my kids the life. That's what parents do. This is like how things happen, I guess. But my kids have everything in their life that I would have dreamt to have. Like I would have done anything to have what my kids have. But this is what my kids, all that they know, so they don't appreciate it or love it. Like I'm like, oh, you have everything I could have ever wished for. But they have their own wishes. So they'll right. take their family experience and they'll create a family that's ideal for them. And I'm sure we're screwing things up. And somehow,
0: I don't think you. get it. I think you. It. I think you have three beautiful boys. And oh no, they
1: remind my older boys remind me every day what a mistake it was I had my third kid. <laughs> 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 they're like, because I'll ask them, I'll joke. I'm like, what? What are, we, what are? What are you unhappy about? And they're like, what am I unhappy about? Him. Why did you and- have him? And point to my baby, the baby.
0: It's because he's the baby. I understand that one.
1: Oh yeah. Because they're, they're like the baby came along when my youngest was five. So there's a big age gap. Like they're the two oldest are only two years apart. And this one's five years under the youngest one. So yeah, he's like the baby, baby compared to Oh, I
0: understand that. I have a sister eight years younger than me and she just, the baby got everything handed to her and I would get in trouble for trying to teach her math. She'd start crying and I'm like being nice. And my mom's yelling at me for making her cry. And I'm like,
1: I'm not, okay. I'm, see, I'm my, my kids are going to be traumatized like that too. Cause they tell me I do the same thing. They're like, he gets away with everything and we're in trouble, you know? And I'm always like, my expectation for you is more, you guys are the oldest. You're the role models. My expectation is higher for you than a six year old. You're, you're 11. He's six, you know?
0: Well, that's like you know when we were kids, we always had to do the cleaning after dinner, and my little sister never did anything. She wasn't required to do anything
1: because she was younger, and she accidentally. You're you, as a parent, you always view that one as too young to do anything, but right. they're not. It's our problem. You just can't help it. You'll know soon, ish, probably.
0: <laughs> I love how we went through like the old the problems of like being the oldest, the middle, <laughs> the youngest.
1: <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right. So Ruthie and Chloe are going to get in a a food fight and we're going to go through all of the dynamics of older, middle, youngest. Yeah. uh,
1: I mean, I think, yeah, like watching the older kid be able to mess up and get away with it. And then the younger and then the middle kid, it's like, that's the example. Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, Thank you. So it was so much fun catching up with you.
1: I'm sorry if I talk too much.
0: no, 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 you're good. Uh, it was so much fun, and this is definitely going to be one of my favorite episodes. I think you're such an inspiration, and I love all everything. You're just always so positive. You' such a hard worker. You just you're a role model that is exactly the person that I want to have on. You're so
1: sweet. You're giving me too many accolades, but I appreciate you. Thank you. <laughs> I can't take compliments. Did we cover that? <laughs>
0: hard. There needs to be a class of etiquette somewhere about how to take compliments.
1: Yeah. You should get a therapist. Why that is. That's one thing I'm like, want to know. Like, I like people to think positive things about me, but it's like, I have a hard time accepting compliments. Like they really make me sweat and feel uncomfortable, which is weird. Like why? I don't know
0: the same way. Like I want somebody to write something nice about me and not send it to me, send it to somebody else. And I get to see it. That's what I want. I don't want you to tell me to my face. I just want to know everyone thinks the world of me. And I know it because my best friend's like, Oh, Hey, they sent this. And anyways, just thought you would like to know
1: that. But see, and I, I mean, I'm the same, not in a, but like when someone like, I think that's what makes me feel like so happy. Like my husband is in the medical business or whatever, and he'll run into random people. And they're like, are you, you're Ian Hudson's husband? Oh my God. And they'll say these things like, She's and he'll tell me that, and that makes me. I feel I can accept that. That feels good. But if that person came up to me and told me that, I'd be like, oh, thank God, you know, you know? <laughs> it's so weird. I I don't know why that is. That's one thing. I, that's something I don't like about myself. I wish I could be like,
0: oh, yeah. you know? I don't know how to accept a compliment like gracefully. Like I don't.
1: The next episode. Okay.
0: <laughs> Let me go You should research. research. That.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be trauma somewhere in our lives that we can't accept compliments, right?
0: I, I'm going to do a 15 minute, like I'm going to do some research and then next episode, a 15 minute little episode of all the research I found of just me talking. Maybe, maybe I'll have it back.
1: We'll Why talk about it. For- what does that mean? But anyway, I know I keep dragging it on. You're going to edit more. So we'll wrap it up. <laughs> Thank you.
0: <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Let's I'm going to go drink my wine. You can go play with the, the boys and the dogs and yes, all the fun stuff. Put everyone to bed.
1: Actually, it's bedtime. They're gonna oh, go. yeah. What
0: time? Oh, yeah. It's Time to go. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Underestimated Stories for Women. If you enjoy my podcast, please follow me on iTunes, Spotify or Clips so you can hear my next story.